I want to thank all of you. All, all of you are really pitching in. Uh, I think, again, we're a church where everyone is leading, everyone's participating, and it's paying off. You know, everybody feels that they're part of the church, everybody's uh, participating, and that makes such a difference. You may notice over there, there's some screens up on that end of the room. We found that part of that ceiling, which is kind of underneath there, which you can't see, needs some repair. In fact, if you know of a contractor, um, you can talk to Tim King or myself, but we're going to be working on that starting tomorrow. So that's why that's up there, just some minor repairs going on on this, the ceiling on that end of the, the sanctuary. So, well, to get into what John talked about and to what Ken and Eric talked about, I had a story of my own. I was in Atlanta on a mission trip with high school students on a caravan in 2005. We stayed in dorm rooms in this homeless shelter, and we went around Atlanta with staff from the shelter doing various things, ministering to people in the different spots in the city and even on the streets. One day, my group was assigned to pray quietly and then possibly to, to strike up conversation with folks in a part of Atlanta, which was, I would describe kind of as new age. And so I was there, and I, I went into, stepped into a store that was there, and when I went into the store, I saw that it had things like tarot cards, incense. Uh, they were selling things that had to do with magic and fortune-telling. And it was one of the few times in my life I felt that I was in a place of evil. I felt my skin feel strange and kind of felt my hair stand up, and I didn't want to stay long in that place. So I pretty quickly turned around and left, and out on the sidewalk away from there, prayed for the people of that store and, and for that place. And that was one of the moments in my life, well, I really felt that evil is real. Um, our culture is fascinated by uh, stories between good and evil. Movies, TV, comic books, fascinated by supernatural forces. I know one of the things that's popular right now is zombies, with shows like Walking Dead. I don't know about you, I think zombies are kind of creepy. I have no interest in them, so. But they're very popular right now. Many people believe in Satan and demons and angels. Uh, they believe that they exist. Others believe that they don't exist or just unsure. So we're gonna ask the question today from a biblical point of view, is there really a spiritual battle going on around us between Satan, demons, and angels? And so we're gonna look at what Paul says about that in Ephesians chapter six. That's today's passage. If you have your Bible, or it'll be up on the screens as well. Ephesians chapter six verses 10 through 20, this passage is about the armor of God. Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. This is God's word. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, and with the breastplate of righteousness in place with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, 
which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearless, fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Let's pray. Most loving God, we give you thanks for this opportunity to be gathered in this room again. We've been with you in song and in prayer and in fellowship. We ask now that you open our minds to understand the scriptures, to apply it to our lives, and to carry it with us this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So there's some notes in your bulletin if you want to refer to those. There'll be some on the screens as well. But when we ask that question, is there really a spiritual battle going on in the world? Paul answers here right in chapter 6. He says, yes, there is a spiritual battle. And in Ephesians 6, 11 and 12, he says, our struggle is against, is against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces. In fact, as I was doing some research this week, I read that, more that there are more than 250 references to angels in the scriptures, more than 100 references to demons, and that every author of the New Testament, including Jesus in discussions he, he has, uh, mentions Satan. Did you know that it was that extensive? And I would share with you in my reading of Scripture, I don't always pick up on that, that the, that the spiritual battle is that extensive in Scripture. Maybe one of the most well-known examples is Satan and angels at the temptation of Jesus in Luke 4 and in Matthew 4. Jesus resists the devil using Scripture, and then angels attend to Jesus there. All the way back in Genesis, we read that Jacob wrestled with an angel of God. We read in Matthew 8 as part of Jesus' ministry as he was going around and doing ministry that he healed a demon-possessed man. And we read in the book of Acts, so Christians as well, not just Jesus or not just in the Gospels, but in the book of Acts, that angels help to release Christians from prison. And I think that the battle is not just something from long ago, from Bible times, but for today as well. And so for today's message, I asked a couple of our ZPC members um, who have some experience in spiritual battles uh, for some of their stories and advice. Here's a story from a ZPC member. I had a lovely friend who was a mature believer. One day she shared that she was struggling with something, and in the course of conversation, she confided that when she prayed in her chair at home, an angel would come and talk to her. I immediately had a check in my spirit that something was not right. She told me that this angel started to help her when she was going through a childhood trauma and that had been with her ever since. I explained that we are only to seek the help and wisdom we need from God. God may have sent this angel, but it was possible that the source was not God. She agreed, and together we thanked God in prayer for all his help, guidance, and wisdom and declared that he was the only source we need. We then told the angel that if he was not sent from the true God, from Jesus Christ, that he was to leave and never return. That angel never, never appeared to help my friend again. So even today, we are in a spiritual battle, sometimes which is unseen. So who's in this battle? 
with us? Well, first of all, there are angels, which are God's messengers, um, God's ministers, and God's militia. And we see angels throughout the scripture. We see them at really important points in scripture. We see angels that are messengers um, at Jesus' birth. They tell the good news to Mary that she will be a mother, and then a dream to Joseph to stay with Mary and support her. They're at the tomb when it's the empty tomb on Easter morning, and they're there to tell the first visitors that Jesus is not here, he is risen. They are throughout Scripture as messenger. Angels are spirits. They're not humans. Um, They are spirits that are loyal to God, that follow God, and that serve as his agents in the world and in heaven. They also minister. They attend to the throne of God in heaven, it says in Revelation. They praise God continuously. And as ministers, they carry out his judgments, even in the the world, it says in uh, Daniel 6 and in the 103rd Psalm. We also read that, that angels are to help Christians here. We read that in Matthew 18. It says in the book of Acts where the angels come and release the Christians from prison. And it says in Hebrews 1 that angels are sent to those who will inherit salvation. So angels are sent to help people like you and I. They are his militia. They do battle when necessary. They will protect us. It says in Psalm 91, angels are to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up so that your foot will not strike against a stone. It says in Psalm 34 that angels encamp, they'll basically set camp around those who fear God and they help them. Many years ago, there was a famous story of a missionary in a foreign country where the people there really rejected the gospel story and the people, uh, the people there wanted to kill him. And so they surrounded his house to attack him with the intent of killing him. He looked out the windows and he saw them and he was afraid and he called out to God in prayer for help. Well, the local people stayed there for a while outside of his house, but they never attacked. They stayed away at a distance They never came close to the house, and then they left. Years later, he was, through God's help, able to convert some of the local people to Jesus. And so he asked them, do you remember that night when you came to my house? Why did you never attack? There were so many of you, and I was by myself. And they said that the night that they gathered to attack, they saw all around the house powerful warriors with swords surrounding the house, too big, and too powerful to fight. God had sent angels to this missionary, to his servant, to protect him. Well, on the opposite side of angels are demons, maybe like uh, uh, screw tape and wormwood that we heard from uh, a few minutes ago. And I think in our world, you know, we like to talk about angels. There's lots of books about angels. I think with angels, we need to remember that angels come from God and our focus needs not to be on angels, but on God. But I think also we probably like to talk less about demons. But scripture tells us, and as we're going through this series, you know, your questions, his answers, God's answers in scriptures, we read that demons are real. Um, They are not gods, but they are immortal. They are limited by time and space. Like us, they can only be in one place at one time, but they can move about the world more than humans. They are here to oppose God, God's work, and God's people. 
they want to deceive us. They want to distract us. Uh, I think that they want to think, they want us to think that they are not real. Who's the leader of the pack of the demons, the prince of demons? It is Satan. So what about Satan? What is Satan like? Satan is all of these things listed here. Satan is our adversary, and these things are in your, your notes in the bulletin as well. Satan is our adversary. He is the evil one. He is a liar and the father of lies. He is our enemy. He is a lawless one. Jesus said that Satan came to steal and kill and destroy. Many scholars think that Isaiah 14, all the way back in Isaiah, describes Satan as an angel who fell from heaven, that he, Satan wanted his throne to be above the stars of God, to be higher than God, it says in Isaiah 14, but was cast down to earth to roam the earth. Another name for Satan is the devil, which means a slanderer. This is in 1 Peter. Or in Jesus' words, in Matthew 10, Jesus calls him Beelzebub, chief of the demons or prince of demons. He's, he's our enemy, he's lawless, and he's also a tempter and a deceiver. One of Satan's big tools is lying. It's called, he's called the liar and the father of lies. And so sometimes we have this concept of Satan being kind of out there and hard to relate to, even when we read these things in Scripture. But I think one of the tools that Satan does use is lying and deceiving. If Satan can convince you that you are worthless, that you are no good, that you are a loser, he will do that and he will use that to dig into you. But we need to know and we need to claim that our identity is in Christ and that with Christ we are made in God's image and that we have nothing to fear from Satan but to be aware of him and that we have a purpose for our lives. You know, last week as the application, I asked you to think about Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. In Jeremiah 29, it says that God has a purpose for your life, a purpose not to harm you, but to do good things in your life. But then he has a part for us too um, in Jeremiah, the prophet. He says, we need to seek God and find him. We need to seek God with all of our hearts. And when we do, God will show himself to us and he will listen to our prayers. God has good things planned for you if you will seek God and find him. And Satan wants to believe that you have nothing good planned for you, that you um, have no identity at all. So Satan is at work in the world. Now, sometimes here in the U.S., we think um, we don't see much of that. Maybe that was for Bible times, uh, or maybe it's more subtle here. But in many places in the world, uh, spiritual battle is more out in the open. And this is a story of a ZPC member who saw spiritual battle up close and personal. I was in Africa in 2006, and I was there to help with a large Christian crusade. There is much active witchcraft in the country that I was in, and there were powerful shamans or witch doctors who have control of some of those regions because of their magic. At this crusade, many people began manifesting demons. Some were screaming terrible screams. They had wild eyes. As area pastors and the visiting pastors prayed prayers of deliverance over them, thousands of people sang about the blood of Jesus. Little by little, people were released from the power of the devil. There were, there were prayers prayed for receiving Jesus, the one true God. 
And after people had received Jesus, there was an indescribable peace on their faces. It was a beautiful gift to see their faces. At the same crusade on an earlier night, two of us from ZPC prayed for a a, a woman, one woman. We had an interpreter. Through the interpreter, she said, I have demons all over me. I I can't escape. And her eyes were filled with torment. We asked her if she had been to see the witch doctor, and she admitted that she had. We simply prayed a short prayer to make the demons leave. And she said, what did you do? They are gone. She was bewildered, and we told her, it was not us who freed you, but Jesus, the one and only God. He is stronger than any demon. And she said, I want to know this Jesus. And so we helped her pray. It was like a miracle taking place in front of us. Her body loosened. Her eyes became full of love. She was crying uncontrollably, and she was grateful for what Jesus did for her. So the spiritual battle is real, even in today's world. So if there's angels, uh, if there's demons, there's Satan involved in this battle, there's God sending the angels in the battle, who else is in the battle? You are in the battle, and I am in the battle. So what are we to do in this battle? We are to do these things. We are to be aware, but not afraid. Be aware, but not afraid. You are in the battle, but Christ has won the war. Won the war. We need to realize this or remember this, that despite the battle that's going on, now, on right now, Christ has won the war. We are to come near to God and resist the devil. And we do that by the way that we live and by the ways that it says in Ephesians uh, 6 as well. The passage that um, Ken and Eric read was from C.S. Lewis, The Screwtape Letters. And C.S. Lewis wrote this as well about this spiritual battle. He says, there are two equal and opposite errors which our race can fall into about the devils or demons. One is to disbelieve their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors. So we are to believe in them, to be aware of them, but not to have an unhealthy um, obsession with them. We are to be aware, but not afraid. In James, we read, it says, uh, James 4, 7 and 8, resist the devil and come near to God. And I like that James included the fact that it's both things. It's to resist the devil. And you think about how do we do that? We come near to God. We resist the devil. We come near to God. So we need to live a life that follows God, that comes near to God. It says to come near to God and he will come near to you. We need to turn to God, especially in places where we are sensing that something is not right. That is the time when we need to be in prayer and coming near to God. What about today's passage? We talked about there's a battle of spiritual forces in this dark world and that that's real and that's going on, who's in the battle, and what are we to do about it? Well, Paul tells us to put on our armor, and he has some specific things in this uh, metaphor about putting on our armor, the armor of God, of how we can be ready for battle. He says, put on the armor in in Ephesians 6, 13, and then in 6, 14, he says to stand firm in God. When the day of evil comes, um, so when the day of evil comes, you are prepared and ready. Well, what does this armor look like? He says, stand firm with the belt of truth 
and with a righteous life. So you put on a belt of truth. You stand in the truth, the truth that God is the truth, and that anything that's not of God uh, is not true. We live a righteous life. He says we need to have righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness is staying on the path that God is calling us to live. I know in my life, when I've been looking forward to like a, uh, a conference or a, a great banquet or something that I'm gonna be a part of, I feel like I need to be even more aware and be even more staying on the path that God has called me to do and called me to live when I'm preparing to be on a team, whether it's an awakening team or a banquet or a conference or something like that. I need to stay on the path so I can stay near to God so that I won't fade away and be distracted. We need to take up the shield of faith, it says in verse 16. We need to have a faith in Christ that is real and use our faith as a shield, it says, to extinguish the arrows of Satan. We need to wear the helmet of salvation. We need to guard our minds knowing that we belong to Christ. You know, Satan can invade our minds. There are ways that he can get in, maybe through deceiving us or distracting us, through other things that are not of God. You know, it says in Philippians, we need to think of things that are true and praiseworthy and excellent and admirable. Those are the kinds of things we need to put in our minds instead of putting things in our minds which will distract us or deceive us or lead us down the wrong path. We need to stand firm and to stay away from things that are not of God. I would include things like messing around with witchcraft or Ouija boards. I would stay away from those things at any cost. Paul goes on to say, to use your sword, God's word, in verse 17. And so he said there's a lot of defensive armor we can have to be defensive against the schemes of Satan, but we need to have an offensive weapon as well. And our offensive weapon is the word of God. So if we know God's word, we memorize it, we have it, it's our sword that we have. And Jesus did this with Satan in the desert. Here's what it says in Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. There was three temptations, and two temptations have already happened. This is the third temptation between devil and Jesus. It says this. Again, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. So Jesus used the sword. He quoted scripture and he told Satan by name to be away from him. Paul goes on. He's not finished yet. Just a few more verses in Ephesians 6. He says, pray, stay alert and keep praying. He says, pray in the spirit. This means with the Holy Spirit's help. We read in different places that when we don't know how to pray, we can say, God, you know, through your Holy Spirit, pray for me. Teach me how to pray. Lord, I need your help. Says, Paul says, pray all kinds of prayers and requests. As I mentioned earlier, I asked a couple of friends from ZPC that, who've had some experiences in spiritual battles um, to give me some of their thoughts on what they thought about spiritual battles and what does it mean to stand alert or to stay alert, to pray, and to stand firm? Here's what one of the ladies told me. Here is her advice. She said, I asked the Holy Spirit to reveal any unconfessed sin or unforgiveness that may have given Satan an opening in my life. I think of Satan like a nitpicking lawyer picking at my life. 
And I deal with that. I receive forgiveness and the cleansing that Jesus promises in 1 John 1, 9. I like to pray the blood of Jesus, his righteousness and cleansing over my mind, my heart, my will, my body, and my spirit. Those are her words of how to pray about, to stand firm, to be alert in God. Paul also goes on to say in Ephesians 6, 19 and 20, the two last verses in our section today, he says he wants to be fearless. And it's also our call to not be afraid in situations where we feel uncomfortable or we feel like there's a battle going on around us. We are not to fear, but instead to be courageous. Courageous. We need to be courageous because God is sovereign and God has already won the war, even though there's still battles going on. At 10.30, we're going to have um, a time with the children, and what I'm going to say to them is I'll say, you know, there's some opposites. We can play the opposite game. So I'll do this with you just for a minute. So what's the opposite of hot? Cold. What's the opposite of high? Okay, the opposite of big is? And the opposite of Satan is? But we understand in this that God is bigger than Satan, that Satan is not fully God's equal, that God is bigger stronger, better. He is already the victor. He has won the war, and he will win the war in the end times, even though we're still in the battle today. What do we do if we sense that there's um, an evil presence in our lives? We're uncomfortable with that. We sense that something's not right. And here's from uh, that same friend who has experience with that, who's a ZPC member. She says this, remember, you have authority in Jesus' name, over every power and authority on earth. And it says in the scripture that there is power in the name of Jesus. So, she says, I command whatever is harassing or trying to frighten me to leave in Jesus' name. If Jesus is our Lord and Savior, we belong to him and he protects us. Use the name of Jesus. Ask anything not of Jesus to leave in his name. Proclaim scripture out loud. Say scripture or read scripture out loud and worship and sing praises to God. Finally, have a friend or maybe many friends in Christ who will pray for you if you're going through difficult times. We are called to pray for each other and to have each other's backs. Here's another story from uh, pastor and author Erwin McManus, who does a lot of writing. He says this, one summer, my young son Aaron went to a youth camp through our church. He was just a little guy, and I was kind of glad because it was a church camp. I figured he wasn't going to hear all those ghost stories because ghost stories can help a a kid have nightmares. But unfortunately, since it was a Christian camp and they didn't tell ghost stories, and we don't believe in ghosts, they told demon stories instead. And so when Aaron got home, he was terrified. Dad, don't turn off the light, he said before going to bed. Daddy, could you stay here with me? Daddy, I'm afraid. They told all these stories about demons. And I wanted to say, they're not real. His son goes on to say, Daddy, Daddy, would you pray for me that I would be safe? I could feel it. I could feel the warm blanket Christianity beginning to wrap around him, a life of safety, safety, safety. But I said this, Aaron, I will not pray for you to be safe. I will pray that God will make you dangerous, so dangerous that demons will flee when you enter the room. And my son said, all right, Daddy, pray that I would be really, really dangerous. (laughs) And so Erwin McManus says to us, 
Have you come to the place in your life where you stop asking God to give you a safe life, but to be a dangerous follower of Jesus Christ? You are in the battle, but Christ has won the war. In the week we talked about heaven and hell, we realize that in the end, God promises that God wins, and with God that we win. In fact, in Revelation 20, verse 10, it says that Satan um, is cast away into a lake of fire by God. We understand that God wins. Jesus said in John 10, Satan comes to steal and kill and destroy, but Jesus has come to give life and give it to the full. That's the kind of life we want when we come near to God and resist the devil. So there really is a spiritual battle going on around us. We don't need to overdo it. We need to be aware, but not afraid. And you are in the battle, but Christ has won the war already. So we resist what is evil, and we come near to God. Let us pray. Most loving God, we don't want to overplay the fact that there is a spiritual battle going on around us because we believe that you have already won the war. And yet, God, throughout Scripture, hundreds of times we read about the reality that there is a spiritual battle going on that we can't see. Sometimes we get glimpses of it or feelings of it in our life. And so, God, we want to take the words that you gave us from James and from Paul in your Scripture today God, to resist the devil and come near to you through prayer and through calling on your name. And God, to put on the armor of God, to be in your prayer, uh, to be in prayer with you, to stand firm, to have faith, to be people that will call on you in our time of need and to fight the fight with courage that you have given us. Thank you, God, for everything. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.